First of all, on behalf of our pastor, Father Mole, Father Ruskamp, and myself, we wish you all a very blessed and holy and happy Christmas. Now, I must explain one thing because there are some people I'm sure out there wondering, why is the baby Jesus not in the manger? Very simple reason. Uh, there is a tradition, it's a small t tradition, that nevertheless, one that many holy people, mystics and saints, and even there's perhaps some evidence in the Book of Wisdom in the Old Testament that Jesus came in the middle of the night. Now, you're free to disagree or to think something else, but there is even in the liturgy of the church this anticipation. This is an anticipated Mass of Christmas Day. And so the Christ child will come out at midnight. So just to put some of you at rest, we haven't forgotten it. We begin to celebrate this glorious feast, though. And we begin it with a dream. There are good dreams, there are bad dreams, there are nightmares, there are dreams we don't want to wake from. We find Joseph, though, in the midst of a dream this evening. Perhaps he's fallen asleep, exhausted by trying to figure it out. Should he take Mary, his betrothed, into his home? Or should he put her away quietly? Now something we need to understand from ancient uh, Jewish practice was that it was common, in fact it was part of the rites and ceremonies that a couple would become betrothed six months, a year out, before they were legally bound as man and wife, as husband and bride. And yet, they did not come together to live under the same roof, often for a period of six months to a year. So this is where we find Joseph in the midst of this. He's discovered that Mary bears the Son of God. Now some would say, is he questioning her veracity? Is he questioning her virginity? Some of the church fathers, some of those early writers in the church would say, and hold that actually what's happening here is that Joseph realizes the great gift that has been given and he feels unworthy. How can I take God's son to be my own? And so perhaps in a fitful night sleep is when the angel appears to him. Just like his namesake in the Old Testament, Joseph, the son of of Jacob, who had received many dreams and many prophetic signs. Joseph, the spouse of Mary, has an angel come to him. Do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife into your home. It is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus, Yeshua, also the name which we get Joshua from, means God's salvation, or God saves. Tonight is a night of salvation. 
Just as the Israelite people, hundreds of years, over a thousand years before Christ's birth, had been free that night of the Exodus when the angel of God was sent down from God's throne. So tonight, the word of God, the eternal word, is sent down to save us. Now, God sometimes uses some of the most unlikely ways for bringing about his plans. If we were to design the salvation of the world, its rescue, we might say, send down a mighty king. Have him at least be born in a palace. Have him raise up a mighty army. Have him show Rome and all the other nations that he is God through his power, through his might, through his being able to dominate. And yet God chooses the weak of this world. He chooses the poor of this world to shame our standards, to help us realize that his ways are not our ways. And so where do we find God born? In a stable. And it's not even like the stables that we, we have at our homes or that we see depicted in beautiful nativity cards. It was basically a hollow out of the side of a hill. Yes, there could have been animals there. In the regions of Bethlehem, it was common for people to put their animals into these cave-like structures. There were probably cobwebs, a dirt floor, maybe not very even well kept with hay and stuff like that. But it was there, in a certain sense, under the ground that our Savior was born. Hidden from the world, yes, in a certain silence. But as we heard in that first reading, reading, for Zion's sake, I will not be silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. And so, even though our Lord is born in obscurity, in poverty, in a hiddenness, the angels cannot withhold themselves. They go to the shepherds. They tell them, for today is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We're told in the gospel that, those, that after the angel announces that, the whole skies are filled with a choir of angels singing the praises of God. And so yet another unlikely thing happens. God, born under the earth, is visited by shepherds, the outcasts of society. And they become, in a certain sense, his first courtiers, his first visitors. God is a God of surprises. And yet there is a logic in this. How often are we not overcome by something that is weak, something that is helpless, something like a little child? Within the last two years, I've gotten a niece and a nephew, and I remember holding each of them and thinking, boy, how light they are and how easy it would be to to drop them or harm them, and you almost instinctively draw that child closer to you. 
so that there's no danger. And God becomes fragile for us tonight. Not in his divinity, but by assuming our humanity. And yet, just as a little child can win someone's heart, God becomes a little child to win our hearts. For the deity up in heaven seemed too far away. But tonight, he is close to us. And in his poverty, in his weakness, in his littleness, he seeks to help us realize that our interior poverty, our interior weakness, our inability to come to him, that he will meet us in that and thereby draw us into his strength, into his glory, into his holiness, ultimately into his life, which is joy and happiness and peace with the Father. Tonight, our salvation, therefore, begins. Only those who have a heart of a child can understand the mystery of Christmas. We do not have to be little children, but we have to be childlike in order to understand this mystery. And that is the logic of God, that He resists the prideful, the proud. He resists those who are caught up with themselves and with their own reasoning. And He reveals Himself to those who become innocent, who can wonder, and who can love. God's love in the manger wants to meet the ugliness, the chaoticness, the disorder in our souls. After all, that's what He was born into. And yet He doesn't want to leave it that way. The Lord Jesus wants to bring his light, his peace, his wisdom, his order to our souls. Tonight, all he asks of us is to begin to crack open the doors of our hearts. But only we can do it. Our heart is a door with a handle only on the inside. The Lord will not force his way in but if we will open the door to him, he will come in. He will make his abode. Tonight, we will sing the creed together. There is a, in your pew, there is a card that has the word and the text of the creed. When we get to the part that mentions the word of God becoming flesh, the word of God coming down to earth, on this night we kneel. So you may want to put down your kneelers before we begin the, the creed as well so there's not a big clanging and bashing. One last thought, and that is, perhaps you haven't had the time with everything going on in, in your life and preparing for Christmas, perhaps you didn't make the time to make a good confession before this evening. If your heart isn't quite ready, don't come up to communion tonight. Instead, stay in your place. Maybe you ate something right as you were walking in the door. And make a spiritual communion. But make a resolve tonight to make a good confession. To get back to the sacraments. To weekly celebration 
of the Eucharist, so that the Lord may truly enter. Lord Jesus, you come this evening to us. Help us to open our hearts, to crack those doors, to let you in, so that you may work a miracle of grace in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.